0: Now, did SmackDown end with a cliffhanger or did SmackDown end with a cliffhanger? The answer is SmackDown ended with a cliffhanger. And I asked myself when this did go down, why doesn't WWE do this more? I mean, they literally have shows every single week. They never stop. So you always want to hook the audience so they tune in when seven days have passed. Just come up with little nuggets like this. And I promise you, it will work every time. And what am I talking about? Well, you're about to find out. Because my name is Simon Mello. Welcome to What Culture Wrestling, and say hello to the Finger of Power, of the FOP. That's about to give the good bits an up and the bad bits a down for the latest episode of WWE SmackDown. As spoiler, as always, it was great. Let's up those doubts. started with cesaro kinda i mean he was stood in the middle of the ring he had a microphone ready to say something but before any words could come out of his mouth seth rollins interrupted him and this week seth was looking like a mustache with some lipstick on it however as the swiss superman had tweeted afterwards this was the first time he'd ever been put in this position and of course opening either raw or smackdown is considered a big deal in wwe And I was like, man, I've never looked at it that way. It made me feel all warm and fuzzy in my tum tum. Also, everything that happened afterwards was great. It's getting it up. Seth was also really good here too because he's just such an asshole. He told Cesaro the only reason he's finally reaching his potential is because he's fighting Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins is the best. And that the only reason he won at WrestleMania was because Rollins couldn't handle the weather. He couldn't handle the rain when it comes to crappy excuses, that is a pretty good one. Cesaro is only allowed to say one sentence, which was challenging Seth to another match. But before we could get anywhere, Out came crazy, crazy Jay Uso and flubbed me. I love this guy so much because he was just barking, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, we, we're all better than you. I can't stand anything. I mean, every single week, he just gets more crazy. He was so fired up, Seth Rollins had to calm him down and said, look, you can't just go running in there. Cesaro will beat you up, but why don't we do it together? And then just before they could do that, Daniel Bryan was out here. It was like a giant had grabbed the Thunderdome and turned it on its side, and some of the locker room had just spilled out towards a square circle. Bryan was here though to ensure that Cesaro does get his due and hopefully does get a universal championship shot, because he has earned it and he deserves it more than Daniel Bryan, and he deserves it more than Seth Rollins, and he deserves it more than Jay Uso, and he deserves it more than Roman Reigns. And I audibly went, rock roll because you knew that badness was coming. Daniel wasn't worried though, because he knows Roman doesn't like wrestling, so it was unlikely we were going to see him, but then we got dun, dun, done, and out came the tribal chief, and he has a new t-shirt, which is essentially the end of WrestleMania 37, just on a piece of clothing, and he pointed at Daniel Bryan and was like, look who's on the bottom, it's you, so you basically lost twice. I mean, this guy could not be a bigger dick and I'm all here for it. Reigns basically laughed all this off as well because he does think Cesaro and Brian are just a couple of nerds. And then he told Seth Rollins and Jay Uso to deal with it. And Seth was brilliant here too because he's not Roman Reigns' mate. And he kind of looked at him like, I don't appreciate what you're doing here. Maybe we're planting some seeds. It then did magically turn into this tag team match, which meant it was Seth Rollins and Jay Uso taking on Daniel Bryan and Cesaro. And there is more chance of hair sprouting out of my head than these four having anything but a spectacular fight. And surprise, surprise, it rocked up. It really did have everything too. I mean, it was fast, it was fun, it was hard hitting, it had a story. And once again, it just perplexed me because how can WWE have two shows? One which is just kind of like a mystery box and the other which just seems to smash it out of the park week after week. After all four guys had brawled to start things off, Rollins caught Cesaro with a sling blade to take over. But then when he jumped off the second rope, the Swiss Superman caught him in midair and gave him a tilt-a-world backbreaker. This is why I don't care when people go, Cesaro shouldn't be at the top of the card, he can't cut a promo. One, go watch him Talking Smack, he can, you just had to let it be Cesaro. But also two, he is so good in the ring, he at least deserves an opportunity. He then tagged in Brian, who went full steam, including grabbing Seth Rollins' foot when he went for a Pelé kick and turning it into ankle lock. And that frustrated Seth so much he grabbed Daniel Bryan with his poor, poor neck and gave him a buckle bomb. And I was like, flipping hell, why are we intent on trying to kill Mr. Daniel Bryan? Deusa was then back in and he hit a massive splash before the bad guys started booting Daniel Bryan in the back of the head. And if you've forgotten, why did Daniel Bryan have to retire a few years ago? Because he has a sore and poorly head. I was watching this and I'm not gonna lie, I was terrified. Obviously we built to a super hot tag with Cesaro and he was just running wild, but then the tag team clacks and ha sounded and everybody was throwing bones and we were getting dives. Cesaro was catching people in midair with dives and then Jay Uso was super kicking people. It was properly nuts. I mean, we even saw Cesaro go for a big swing, but Seth Rollins turned that into the most devastating move at all of sports entertainment surprise roll up. Although this occasion, he only got two. It got even better too, because when Cesaro locked Seth Rollins in the sharpshooter, and once again, Jay Uso had just booted him in the back of the head, Seth was so perturbed about all of this, he just walked off. I was kind of devastated as this match was so good, but let's face it, that's exactly what Seth would do He is a piece of shit. It left poor Jey Uso all alone because he never gets any luck. And after a superplex courtesy of Cesaro, Daniel Bryan hit him with the running knee. One, two, three, they're your winners. I did have just like the slightest sadness in my tum-tum. Because again, I was like, man, Jey Uso, he never gets nothing. But all of this was brilliant and it made me feel joyful. And from start to finish, it must have been around about, what, 35 to 40 minutes of SmackDown? but it kept me intrigued and somehow we still weren't done. Because Uso, being the nut job he is, ran back in the ring and tried to get some 50 cuffs, but he was getting big swung and chucked around the place. As Daniel Bryan got on the microphone and essentially went, Roman Reigns, you're a piece of rubbish. You're not going to come out here and help Jay Uso because you never do, which begs the question why Jay even listens to you in the first place. I was like, what the hell are we doing? Roman Reigns is going to explode. The point of all of this, though, was for our heroes to prove their point. Roman Reigns never saves Jey Uso. Roman Reigns always does whatever the hell he wants. And because of that, they muse that maybe the Tribal Chief is terrified of Cesaro. And all of this was just 10 out of 10, was 10 out of 10 wrestling. I mean, you could have had Juke the Jumpster Drozzy come out of this, and I still would have been waxing lyrical about SmackDown. But instead, we had a segment with Adam Pierce and Sonia Deville. They basically let us know that later on it's going to be Apollo Crews versus Kevin Owens for the Intercontinental title. So that felt like Christmas come early. And then we had another interview with Jay Uso, and you can just imagine how insane he was here. This poor man is losing his damn marbles. The momentum was always gonna to have to slow eventually, but somewhat annoyingly, WWE could have avoided this if they had just given us something fresh but instead it was Nia Jack versus Tamina. And I did some research and apparently nobody is Mina. And I swear I have seen this match on Friday nights for like the last two months. So why do we just keep doing it again? Especially because the finish was a copy and paste job. Down. Because Shayna Baszler was getting involved and then Reginald who's back on TV was also getting involved. And then when they got involved at the wrong time together, they kind of distracted Nia Jacks. Allowing Tamina to use the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll up and get the one, two, three. I mean, every single time, bring it down the distraction board, it rolls up to 49. I mean, seriously, WWE, just put some extra women in the women's tag team scene. You do have a lot of good ones on the roster. I then did get a little bit confused because Kevin Owens was confronted by Big E backstage. And during that Adam Pearce, Sonya Deville segment earlier, Adam Pearce had gone when Big E returns he will be the number one contender, but then Big E had returned and Kevin Owens was still getting the match. The former Intercontinental Champion was also not happy for this reason. So even though KO and him were kind of laughing away, they were laughing away while clearly their eyes said, I want to kill you. So I think we're gonna do something with these two down the line as well. And man, if you wanna give me Kevin Owens versus Big E, you are gonna see a very happy Simon Miller. Brian also approached Adam Pearce again after this and was like, you need to make Cesaro versus Roman Reigns for the Universal title. And Ads was all like, look, I'm working on it, but you could just see deep down in his soul, he was terrified of our tribal chief. We then got this icy title match, and well, it's a story of two halves. Uh, Let's go. I'm sure they have fought before too, but the one thing I took away from this is that Kevin Owens and Apollo Crews have really good chemistry. And they grappled to begin with before KO went for a dive, but he wasn't able to do it because General Aziz was standing in the way and that does stand to reason he's Apollo Crews' bodyguard. It also allowed Apollo to get on top of this and he went to do a moonsault off the apron but got kicked right in the head instead and then he got swan-tom bombed for a near fall when all of a sudden, Sami Zayn's music hit and he came down to the ring and joined commentary all this was fine for now because there were no shenanigans. Cruz and Kevin were then brawling on the top rope before Owens had a big fall and Apollo Cruz gave him a bunch of rolling German suplexes. But then we had stunner attempts, we had near falls off pop-up power bombs, and this was really gathering some momentum until we got to the finish. Because just after Owens had hit a splash on the apron and rolled Apollo Cruz back into the ring, General Aziz just got onto the squared circle. Kevin Owens couldn't handle it because he's a wrestler and he was distracted, which allowed Apollo Cruz to use the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment and get the one, two, three. I mean, come on, two back to back matches with the exact same ending and they almost played out from the same camera angle. That's how little difference there was. Why couldn't have Apollo Crews just hit his big move and got the victory? That would have been far better. However, it is unfair not to acknowledge how fun this was. So that part gets an up. But for everything else, it gets a down. Also, bring back the counter. We're not even halfway through the year, and we have had 50 distraction finishes in all of WWE. And sure, Owens was still able to hit a stunner after the fact on Apollo Crews, but then he got murked by General Aziz and the Nigerian nail, I think we're calling it, which is just the Samoan spike that Umaga used to do. This did lead to the highlight of the whole thing, though, because as Kevin Owens was laid out in the middle of the ring, Sami Zayn got off commentary and he just started to dance around Kevin Owens' fallen body. I don't care what you say, Sami Zayn could be in any promotion in the world and he would be one of the most important characters you have. He is brilliant. Paul Heyman was here next and he promised before this night was over Roman Reigns would address the Daniel Bryan and Cesaro situation and I was like yeah right you never do that. But I was actually wrong. Small spoiler, he does. Our brand new interviewer, Megan Morant, was then interviewing Apollo Crews, and Apollo was all like, oh, I'm so happy that I won, when Biggie hunted him down and absolutely whooped his ass. And honestly, he almost killed him. And it was only at the end when General Aziz turned up. So he's going to get in a world of trouble. Why the hell wasn't he watching his man that's basically his entire job. I am going to guess we get round two at this at WrestleMania Backlash, though. Hence why it's called WrestleMania Backlash. But again, these two are great. I'm OK with that. And then if you can believe it, Alistair Black was back on SmackDown. I know how the flub did that happen, but he has returned. And My word, does he have an intriguing new gimmick. You really do need to go watch it too, because I'm not going to be able to do it justice. But he wears glasses now, and he was sat in a dark room with candles, and he was reading a book called Dark Tales of the Father. Chapter one was also called The Dragon. and was about a father and his son going to kill some kind of a dragon, but the son became a dragon. But none of that even matters. It was the way that Aleister Black delivered this, and it was the ambience that he created. I was kind of mesmerized by it. It It's also one of these things that you could have given to anybody else, and they wouldn't have been able to pull it off. But Aleister Black just has something i think by the end of it yeah the kid had become the dragon even though he was meant to slay the dragon that's not the point if we actually see this through to the end he will be such a good addition to friday nights so i am going to keep everything crossed he just brings something different to the table and a pointless stare down between the dirty dogs and the street profits next and how can wwe even pretend to justify that these two have faced off ever since like february or something and Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford have never won. Anywho, the main reason was to ask Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode who do they think is going to win between the Mysterios and Alpha Academy, and of course they picked Alpha Academy because they're bad guys and the Dirty Dogs are bad guys too. It all got a little bit strange because Bailey just swanned in and took over and started to tell us how much he hates Bianca Belair, but what she forgot is that Bianca is married to Montez Ford. And then that little snitch Montez, he rang his wife and he was like, you need to hear what the role model is saying. So Bianca, being the fighting champion she is, went, okay, give me a second, I'll be right there. As soon as she did turn up, Bailey kind of backed off because she is a massive coward, but said it would be great to have a match at WrestleMania Backlash, which is what we're getting. And I am cool with all of this. This is exactly the type of stuff we should be setting up just to be a nerd quickly wouldn't it have been better and wouldn't it have been more justified if bailey had had a big match at wrestlemania and got the victory as opposed to just going i would like a title match and bianca Belair going pal you've got it so yeah it's a little weak but it's still the right thing to do and bailey as always was great here because she was an asshole and then she was nice before being an asshole again And just for her alone, I'm giving it up. Classic WWE next, because last week Rey Mysterio had defeated Otis, so this week we did have to have the tag team match. And I do admit the men's tag team division is now slowly falling into the same trap as the women's tag team division, because the same people just keep going round and round and round and round. But thankfully, this was far better, and it had a proper finish, so it gets it up. Otis was just destroying Dominic at first, and I think we just need to take a moment to say fair play to that guy. I still think it's nuts that we turned him heel because Owens just has this natural, lovable quality. But ever since he has become a villain, he's been far more aggressive. He has got a different side to him, and it's proven he is a three-dimensional character. It was, of course, Dommy Boy who got beaten up for most of this because he is the young Mysterio, but I always do appreciate how he manages to get the hot tag. Here, Chad Gable was German suplexing him around the place, and then Dominic landed on his feet, turned around to his dad, gave him the tag... And obviously then Ray ran wild. Despite almost being 50, Ray was still giving Chad Gable a hurricane runner off the top rope. And then Dominic borrowed a move from his dad's playbook when he did that sliding power bond sunset flip into the barricade thing. Honestly, at some point, father and son have to become tag team champions. The story is just too good. And then, yes, admittedly, it did kind of just finish. I mean, Owens got thrown over the announce table and then Ray Mysterio hit the big splash onto Chad Gable and got the one, two, three. And I presume at WrestleMania, Backlash is going to be the Dirty Dogs versus the Mysterios but once we're done there we 100% have to be done and again let's draft in some new peeps. Smackdown then went off air with a bang and I did not see it coming. And it was basically Roman Reigns addressing the situation that had been prevalent throughout the entire evening, and everybody was in the ring, and Roman started by getting right into Cesaro's face and telling him he was furious that the Swiss Superman even thinks he deserves a Universal title shot, and the answer from now until the end of time is going to be no. In a complete twist though, all of a sudden Reigns said he is the champion, and therefore he decides the challenger, and as far as he's concerned... That should be Daniel Bryan. And why? Because he hates Mr. Yes Man. He never wants to see him again. So this is what he's proposing. Next week on SmackDown, they will have a Universal Championship match. If Daniel Bryan wins, obviously he will become the new champion. But if he loses, he is banished from SmackDown forever. Roman never wants to see him again. And that will be that. And he can turn tail and leave. Cesaro was in the corner going, Daniel Bryan, you got to do it. You got to do it. Even though deep down, he must have been like, man, I'm getting screwed over again. But the truly fascinating part of all of this is that Daniel Bryan has been doing the media rounds recently and telling us that not only is his WWE contract up soon, but he doesn't know what he's going to do next. So is this us writing him off WWE TV? Is he just gonna go to Raw? Is he gonna go to NXT? I have no idea, but because of all of that, I've thrown it in a big intriguing pot and the result is a potion that I want to drink. They stared off to end the show and once again, SmackDown is just a fantastic, well put together product. And going back to what we were talking in the intro, what a cliffhanger that is. So next week, either Daniel Bryan is going to become the champ, which I don't believe, or he's done on Friday nights. I have no idea which way this is going to go. And that's what a good entertainment program should always do. And it's also the reason that overall, it's getting it up.